Welcome to the Gentleman Ultra podcast. I'm your host, Frank Resorta, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Andy Wallace of Kakirata Calcistica. How'd I go, Andy? Did I get that right? You can find that on Twitter. So I'm just going to keep saying that throughout the whole episode so I can get used to it. But Andy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Frank. Um, pleasure to be invited on. Uh, and yes, you nailed it. Kakirata Calcistica. <laughs> Fantastic. So... So I thought we wanted to touch on the Lega Pro season that hasn't quite kicked off yet. Um, and I thought, who better to talk about it than Andy, who um, who many of us follow on Calcio Twitter and who does a fantastic job keeping keeping us all up to date with the, the goings and comings of uh, Lega Pro football and, and Serie D, even to an extent. So for those that don't know, give us the, um, I guess, the rundown on the new season and the, the regions. Uh, and why we don't have a fixture list as yet. We'll start there. Well, at the moment, as you know, as you see, we're still waiting on the fixture list. Um, everything depends on uh, the decision that the courts will make on the, the 25th of August about Teramo and Campobasso, uh, two clubs that were kicked out of the league um, for you know, failing to, to keep up with payments basically in the past. Um, and there will be a decision about whether they should be kept in the league. If they're kept in the league, then rather than having three divisions of 20 teams, there'll be two divisions of 20 teams and one division probably of 22. Um, So the league don't want to release a fixture list just now because they might have to do it all again in a week or in two weeks. Um, So that's where we are with that. Um, As for the the start of the season, the way, you know, we'll talk about it just now as if, Teramo and, and Campo Basso um, will not be participating because it's, you know, it's uh, still uh, entirely unknown. Um, as always, this season will be the Gironi A, Gironi B, Gironi C, uh, the northern, central and southern sections. Um, so we'll kind of, you know, maybe run through those and look at the kind of the, the runners and riders and kind of, I want to as well perhaps touch on how the, how the last season ended. Um, and how the teams that were so close last season uh, are coming into the new season. Um, so if we start, for example, with uh, Girona A, uh, and you know, one of the, the kind of main talking points is about Padova. Now, Padova, they had that horrendous uh, playoff defeat against uh, Palermo uh, in, in June, where the captain uh, Ronaldo was uh, was was sent off for for a headbutt, and that came at the end of a season where they had been challenging Sutirol at the top uh, for the whole season. In any ordinary season, Padova would have gone up that year. The season before, there was you know Como uh, won the league, and that was quite an ordinary Como side. This Padova side was miles better. Uh, it was packed with you know relative. Stars, you know, um, guys like Kiriko, um, who's now at Crotone, and as I say, you know, uh, Ronaldo, who's one of the top players in the division. Um, at the end of that game against Palermo, their chairman, um, who is a kind of you know French businessman, multimillionaire, perhaps even billionaire, stormed out of the stadium, um, and there was some uh, you know doubt about how the project would continue. And what's happened during the summer is they've kind of cut their wage bill by about 20%, which means that they're not quite as strong as they were. Um, they've lost their, their big stars, uh, you know, Ronaldo and, and Kiriko, among, among others, and brought in kind of lesser names. Lesser names, still you know, players who are kind of good enough for the top six of Serie C, Serie C um, but still aren't that kind of highest quality that they had before. To compensate for that, they brought in uh, one of the best coaches in, in the decision in the division, Bruno Canio, uh, from tourists uh, from who play in the, the kind of Bay of Bay of Naples. Um, but what it does mean is they're not as much of a favourite as they were last season. Last season they were the clear favourite, and somehow Sudtirol, just through that constancy, through that consistency, managed to pit them to it. Um, there are, and I think this Gironi will be one of the, the kind of, I think that'll be the Gironi to watch in a way. I think that'll be the most exciting one because um, there are a number of teams there who will challenge 
Um, there's a, a very strong Triestina team. Um, there's a very strong uh, Vicenza team who have just, just got relegated, but who have kind of kept quite, quite a few uh, of their, their squad have gone down. Bordenone as well, who've just come down from Serie B. And the other two teams um, who are quite, you know, they don't... It's almost kind of surprising how, how, how strong they are, how strong they have become. Um, and I want to touch on, touch on those for a second. The first one is uh, Novara. Now, Novara have just come up from Serie D. It's very difficult for Serie D teams to win Serie C. I think the last team to do it were Venezia a few years ago. And, you know, even teams like Bari, even teams like, uh, even in the past, when it's Serie C Uno and Serie C Due, you know, Napoli didn't manage to win it first time around in Serie C Uno. Um, so it's very difficult to kind of come up and win Serie C. Novara look like one of the teams who are best prepared to do that, you know, within the last few years. Um, their strike force, they've taken, you know, Cesena's top scorer, who's one of the, the best center forwards, Bortolussi, in, in Gironi B. And they've taken Gallupini, who was one of the top scorers in the, the first half of the season last year with Sutirol. No, with, uh, sorry, with uh, Renate. And then he was purchased by, by Sutirol and then didn't score a goal after, after January. Um, so that's one to watch. I think Navarra, again, are one of these, these clubs who they were in Serie A so recently. Um, and one of the big names who will be returning there to Novara and who was with them in Serie D is uh, Pablo Gonzalez, uh, who's kind of this big legend at Novara, um, who he, he played in Serie A, but not with Novara. He missed that season with Novara. He, play, he played it on loan um, somewhere else. I can't remember quite with who. Um, but they're one to watch. Um, the other team there to watch in are, are Ferelpi Salo. And this is kind of, this comes within the context, you know, the rise of Ferelpi Salo um, comes in within the context of what you might call, you know, the angels of the north. This kind of, um, within these, the idea that in, in these last few years, there has been um, a strengthening of the teams at the very north, you know, in the very north of Italy. The, you know, the, the most notable example is Sutirol, uh, who obviously have climbed up, you know, uh, up the leagues and now, now reached Serie B uh, through investment, through, through very, you know, a very sensible um, and, and ambitious ownership scheme. Um, but they're just kind of the, you know, they're, they're the most shining example of it. Ferralpi mm. Salo have been at the top for a few years. They're on the, um, you know, from from Salo, the, the town is um, just just north of uh, just north of, of Verona. If my uh, geography isn't uh, <laughs> isn't isn't wrong, there. Um, it's, it's interesting though that a lot of those teams, they've all got themselves well set up. I, I, I tend to notice that north northern eastern area of Italy or east east as well. I look at it, yeah, um, got themselves set up off the field. Um, their stadiums, their infrastructure. There's a lot of them that all seem to be really switched on when it comes to that sort of sort of area. Yeah, definitely. I think um, they're very well managed. And Feralpi Salo, uh, I mean, that comes from the, the name of the team, comes from, from Feralpi, the, the company that, that still owns them. It's a family, uh, you know, it's a family run company. Um, and, and so they have that backing. They don't, go all out and spend money they don't have. But at the same time, you know, the Ferralpi Salo support is tiny. So they're not getting much, you know, much in the way of supporters, a bit like Sutirol, um, but they're just investing very in a very clever way. Um, you know, even with the, the managers they bring in, we've seen Sutirol uh, go up with Javorcic. Um, obviously, you know, the, the management decision they, they made after that wasn't the, wasn't the greatest in bringing Zali. But um, Ferrabi Salo have done some, something similar. They brought in uh, Vecchi, uh, Stefano Vecchi. If, sometimes, uh, I apologise in advance, sometimes uh, I'll, I'll mix names and say the, the, the wrong first name with the wrong second name. It's kind of a tom, tombola of first names and second names in my head sometimes. But yeah. uh, I'm sure it's Stef Stefano Vecchi. 
um, who was at Sutirol before, uh, a guy who plays really intense, um, intense football. Um, so they're one to watch there. And again, with that idea of the Angels of the North, um, you've got a strong Trento as well, a strong Trento side who came up uh, not last season, but the season before from Serie D. Uh, again, are in that kind of uh, Trentino Alto Adige uh, area of Italy. Uh, and they, they've said that they're increasing their budget by half a million. Uh, they're going to go for it. They look like they might challenge until the last couple of weeks when other teams have, have strengthened. Mm. Um, and then even, even beyond that, even in Serie D, where you have kind of strong teams from the north, like um, Bolzano, who are uh, Trento's kind of historic rivals rather than Sutirol. You have uh, Dolomiti Bellunesi. I don't think I've watched that name, uh, who are another, another kind of ambitious side in Serie D. So again, it's this idea that uh, football in the north of Italy is reaching uh, a, a moment where it's, it's, it's stronger, I think, than it has ever been, with the exception of, you know, you might say Treviso, who are kind of uh, probably just above that northern Italy line, as I would understand, you know, that northern, northern Italy line, as I would understand it, who are still to come to the fore. But uh, yeah, it has been a, a, a strong uh, couple of years from sides from there. Because that whole uh, that in that whole group too last year there was only from memory wasn't there I think from like fourteenth or fifteenth all the way up to seventh or eighth I think there was only you know I think what was it eight eight or ten points between the lot of them the group yep. of them. Um, yep, and it's got sides like meant? sides like Mantova, Albino Leffi. Um, Pro Vicelli, you got Juventus as their under 23s team. Piacenza, mm-hmm. it's a really strong, like there's a, there's a lot of uh, former Serie A representation down there. And there's yeah. some big names, you know, like I know people say there's big names in Serie B this year, but in, no, certainly. Yeah, in Serie I, G, I think teams like Mantova, yeah. you know, Piacenza, mm. uh, sites like that. Um, I would say that maybe last year, the reason why that was happening was because the quality league was almost so low across the board. That, that was happening, that teams were within uh, a few points of each other. And then you had kind of Suter, Suterol, Padova, Feral, Pisalo, Renate uh, ahead of the rest. Yeah. That, I think this year there's maybe a change where uh, those teams have got better. And so we might see something similar, especially at the top of the table. Um, but even sides like uh, Mantova uh, have, have got better. I think Albino Lefe as well have a really good, uh, you know, a really good group of young players coming through means that I think that's you know, perhaps even the strongest league this season, the strongest division of the, of the three. Yeah, and then you, you touched on young players there. So um, you've, you've talked about what's happening down at Cesena and Pescara, or, or more so Cesena. Can you explain for those that don't know? Um, and this is a side that came third last season. Um, the affair, yeah. Mind you, there was a gap to Reggiana and Modena, but... Um, did well to finish where they were, but yeah, what's happening down there with um, look what looks like there's a, a relatively young side. It's going to yeah, I think yeah, I think I mean you're right. Last season, I mean this is going into Girone B, um, where if we look at the context, and Cesena finished third, but it was a distant third between uh, after uh, Modena and Reggiana, who were the two who, who who challenged for the title all season. Modena, Modena were the team who, who went up. Regiana um, failed in the in the playoffs. Uh, quite, um, you know, quite. Dis- you know, it was a bit of a disaster to be honest. It's incredible because um, Padova, Regiana, there was a couple of sides like that that just had the momentum, like you said, all year long, and they looked like it was going to be automatic promotion, and then yeah. they just essentially got run down at the finish. You yeah, know, to, to I think they were eighty six points. Lose two games, but obviously the, the the stack of draws cost them. But to finish, you know, it was it was like a, a um, apologies to Napoli fans, but you know, to finish on eighty six points and come second, they'd be kicking themselves because they might not have that opportunity again. Yep, exactly. And I think when you do have a season like that, if you finish second and you go into the playoffs, it's difficult to kind of keep that momentum going into the playoffs because of the disappointment of not winning the league. Um, you know, you go into it and it's almost like you're having to start again. Yeah, it becomes um, luck, doesn't it? You know, it's, a, it's, it's again, yeah. it's one-off in the playoffs. And I know you get seeded and ranked, which you did well to explain to us last time you are on the show. 
Um, but yeah. Yeah, it would have been disappointing to have to get themselves back up again for, for the playoffs. I think in, in Rajana's case, it was a disastrous half hour, basically, where they went into the second leg with Ferrapi Salo, lost two goals. Um, their manager, Diana, um, Aimo Diana, um, decided to start with a back four rather than the back three, gone with all season. They lost two goals in the last half hour. And, you know, he changed that after 35 minutes, but that was it, you know. So it just shows how kind of, um, in a, you know, and that, that was a, a two-legged game, but just how half an hour can kill you. Um, but this season, I mean, Rajana will be among the front runners. Um, even though, uh, I mean, the manager, Ramo Diana, has stayed. Uh, their linchpin, Luca Cigarini, um, you know, formerly of, uh, of, of Cagliari, of, of Atalanta, a defensive midfielder, he's injured for six, you know, up to six months, uh, which would be a big blow. So it kind of allows Cesena um, to step into the title race there. Cesena, together with probably Virtus Entella, uh, who are always quite a strong side. Yeah. And yet with Cesena, and, you, know, you mentioned the kind of youth, uh, the youth system they have there. And it's you know, incredible that for a Serie C team, last season, their under-19s, the Primavera side, um, won promotion from essentially Serie B of the Primavera to Serie A of their Primavera, which you know, shouldn't normally happen. Um, but it's a very good group of young players. Mm. But at the same time, Chisena kind of find themselves in between a, you know, a cushion and a soft place because at the same time as they have a really good group of young players coming through, all of a sudden they have the financial wherewithal to go and sign big players who can win them the, uh, the division mm. on their own. So it means that um, they might not, you know, those young players that like you have the, the Spendi twins, two Albanian uh, born twins who actually uh, grew up playing their football in San Marino, but uh, who are kind of, you know, leading the line in, in pre-season just now and doing a very good job of it. Uh, but it means that they might not actually, you know, get much in the way of minutes. When, you know, they ha- you have uh, obviously players who they've, they've brought in over the summer, like Simone Corazza from uh, Alessandria. They're bringing in Ferranti as well, from, uh, who's a, uh, from Ternana on loan, who was at uh, Foggia last season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there, they're kind of, you know, they're not sure what direction to go in. Mm-hmm. They're also, they're one of the clubs owned by American owners as well. They're owned by uh, two American lawyers who are very much in the kind of, they seem very much in the kind of Tacopina mold. Um, and, you know, it remains to be seen kind of how, you know, how it will go as a long-term project. But they're certainly in the title race. Again, it's another club who not long ago were in Serie A. They are one of the teams as well who went bankrupt, had to start all over again. Um, but it looks like they're at least on the right path. And if they don't go up this season, then you know, hopefully they'll, be, they'll, they'll maintain a strong, uh, a strong core uh, that will allow them to, to do well next season as well. It's such a huge... Um, it's massive, yeah, isn't it, to, to come first and get that automatic promotion spot on like I know obviously coming first is 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 the goal for for every team in the division but that playoff those playoffs they're so competitive um and you, we saw that last year like and it's it's so hit and miss you like you know like Reggiani you can be going into the playoffs in such good form and all it takes is you know a, a, a 30 minutes to go wrong, you know, whether it's, it was them on them, them or not, but it takes just, you know, one mistake and, and your whole season gets thrown out the window. Yeah, precisely. And I think, you know, it, it goes the other way where Palermo, I don't think Palermo were the fourth best team in the division last season, but they found themselves on a, on a good run. They were, you know, confident going into the end of the season mm-hmm. um, and the good run they had at the, the end of the season just kind of, you know, took them into the playoffs. They hit the playoffs at the right time. And they, you know, they played the right teams on the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, as well. And playing Padova in the, in the final was probably, um, you know, probably good for them mm. in the end. But yeah, you don't want to. It's not something you want to go into. Uh, you don't want to rely on basically at the mm. at the end of the season. That's mm. mm. a yeah. It's a, another strong, strong, um, strong group. And then Siena, obviously, we've got some 
some stuff happening there, but also uh, further down south. So Gironi Chi, so Crotoni, who will find themselves Seti B, up to Seti R, then down to Seti B, and then now down to Seti Chi. What's what's happening down south with the Sharks? Yeah, I think Crotoni are, are one of the sides who in recent years have invested most heavily upon being relegated from, from Seti B. Um, they have brought in um, you know, players like Kiriko from uh, from Padova, and they've just kind of they're whole they've they've held on to uh, several key players um, that they had in, in Serie B, but at the same time uh, they're bringing in players who they know um, are are good enough to to win the division. Um, you know, guys like Giuseppe Panico, for example. Um, the only thing with them, and I think they're they're by far the strongest squad in the division, um, but the, their problem is their manager. They've just hired um, Franco Lerda, who last season was the Pro Vercelli manager. Uh, and for me, it's almost, you know, how good a manager he is, it's hard to tell, because last season, from February onwards, Pro Vercelli went on this run where they hardly lost the game until the end of the season. But... Franco Lerda himself got suspended uh, for, for two months for uh, shouting racist abuse at uh, an opposing player. So you got, to, you know, and as happens in Italy, rather than automatically sacking him, um, you know, they, they try to appeal it and, you know, try to talk it down. He had a two-month uh, ban from February through April. And even after that, he had bans on top of that because during his suspension, he was going into the changing rooms and talking to the players. So he goes into the start of the season, um, as far as I can tell, still having to serve a couple of matches suspension. suspension. Yeah. yeah. You can tell this um, is an Italian football podcast, can't you? We've, got, we've had a, an owner storm out after the game, refusing to, to acknowledge the defeat. We've got uh, a, a suspension from a manager who, who obviously <laughs> took it very lightly. We've got clubs go, taking... Uh, sorry, we've got teams taking uh, the league to court, appealing their decision whether they should be expelled or not. It's, it's, we're ticking all the boxes. Yeah, it's a typical summer in Serie C. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, it's kind of battle to see if, you know, it's almost Crotoni against their manager. Uh, I'm not convinced the manager's a, a you know, particular, like, you know, a, a great tactician, let's say. Um, and behind them, they've got uh, probably Catanzaro um, would be um, probably their biggest challenger and Pescara. Um, Pescara, who really, uh, I mean, they, last season they were in Girona B, the, the central section this season, because the teams have come down, because they're mainly from the north, they've been shifted down into the southern section. Um, otherwise, they probably would have been favourites to win Girona B. Um, they have, again, I mean, they have a, a half-decent squad, um, but they'll be relying a lot on on their their youngsters coming through. Pescara are, are one side who have a very strong uh, youth system as well. Um, historically, I mean, you know, you don't have to go by far for the likes of Marco Verratti. Um, and even this summer, they've been selling a couple of players um, to to big teams, and they've got them got them back on on loan. Um, but and for a club like that, who are in a lot of debt in Pescara, um, you kind of wonder if they go another season without getting promoted, um, how will that hit them financially? Just now they seem to be kind of staying afloat because of those sales. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a little bit uh, concerning for them. Um, it's, like, it's like an all or nothing approach, isn't it? Like they need to take... Much like Crotoni, they need to take that risk to to stay up in Serie B and Serie C, or sorry, Serie R when they were there. But then, once they fall down and drop a division, then do they spend the money to try and get back up there? But then, obviously, once they don't achieve their goal and they're stuck in Serie B again, they're stuck with the huge wage book and the the, the circle yep. continues. You know, and yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and and there as well. Um... You know, there's kind of if you look at the, the history, the past ten years of, of Serie C, teams who have been relegated from Serie B tend to either, you know, to, if they don't get promoted in the next couple of years, 
it's likely that they will go bankrupt. It's just the way things have worked. Partially, that's also because in the season they come down into Serie C, they'll get a, a, you know, a parachute payment parachute from, from Serie B of around, you know, depending on how long they've been in those higher divisions, it can be from about you know, 750 grand to about you know, 2 million. Um, so that's also, I mean, clearly that's what Crotone are doing this season. They're saying, look, we'll just bank everything and going back up um, and hope that it works. If it doesn't, they might be in some trouble. Um, one team who we didn't touch in Gironi B, who are having the opposite approach, are Alessandria, who are the other team who've been re- relegated from Serie B. And basically what they've done is said, look, all of our first team players are available on a free Take them. You know, whoever wants them, take them. We're going to go into the season with our youth team and just try to survive. Just try and survive the season. Um, fortunately for them, most of those first-team players have gone to other clubs, so they've managed to get their wages off their books. Um, and it should allow them a little wiggle room to, to bring in a couple of more experienced players. Um, but that's kind of the opposite approach, where they're thinking, look, it's, you know, it's downsized now or, um, you know, or, or we're not going to be able to survive. They also have their, their owners trying to, to sell the club at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's those two, two different approaches where it's, you know, yeah. win or bust, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, de- and further down that way or very close to Calabria, you've got uh, the, in Puglia, there's a few projects going on down there. Um, we've got Foggia. Uh, Monopoly and also um, one close to your heart. They've got uh, Taranto there. Um, what's yeah. happening down in Puglia this year? And, and give us a rundown of what you think is going to happen that, down that way. Well, all the, all the clubs there seem to be going off in kind of different directions. Um, you have Foggia, who are probably kind of the, the fourth power in uh, Gironi Chi in the southern section this year. Uh, they've invested heavily. Um, they've been quite sensible the last couple of years because when they came up from Serie D, they had a very average team. Last year, they had Zdenia Zeman uh, as manager, and obviously uh, he got them playing some nice stuff. Their, their squad was, was half decent. Um, this season, it looks like they're really um, going for it. They brought in a lot of talent. Um, so, so that's kind of... You know, if they, again, we'll see how, if that growth can be sustained, that growth as well, and their, their wage structure can be sustained. Um, but they're probably the, the tastiest of those, those uh, sides from Puglia. Uh, below that, you've got Francavilla and Monopoly, uh, both of whom are they're trying to, they've been overperforming the last two, three years. And they're trying to keep that up. For Monopoly, it's particularly tough because they've lost a lot of uh, their key players. They brought in uh, the the manager from from Taranto, who who kept them up last season. Who is a bit of a kind of you know controversial in in terms of uh, how he's seen uh, in Taranto. A lot of uh, people think that he was you know the reason uh, that he stayed up. A lot of them point to the second half of the season where they plummeted. Um, but they'll be looking, they've, they've made, again, good signings. They always do, Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Frank Avila have brought in the manager who had brought them up from the, the lower divisions in the first place. Um, and like you Taranto. said, you touched yep. on, yeah, Cavanzaro there, um, Avelino's, Avelino's still in that uh, group. Is that right this year? I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd put them kind of a touch below the likes of Catanzaro. Somewhere, you know, they'll probably, uh, I'd have them in the same kind of band as, as Foggia. Maybe where they just uh, their squad doesn't look great on paper. Um, it doesn't look as good as you know the likes of your Catanzaro and your uh, Crotone. So I think they might have a difficult season um, this year. They should still uh, reach the playoffs. I think you know most of uh, the division is relatively you know the the kind of average level of that uh, southern division is relatively weak. Um, but the yeah, I, I think they'll kind of kind of get a comfortable playoff spot. Mm. As for Taranto, um, Taranto obviously came up uh, last season or season before. Last season was the first season in Serie C. 
Um, at the start of the season, they were fighting for the, the playoff positions. Um, then they su- suffered injuries to their, you know, their forward line, their back line, their midfield. Um, they were you know, decimated and eventually managed to stay up partially because of um, Catania going, going bankrupt. Um, they've basically uh, got rid of all of their first-team players, uh, with a couple of exceptions. They've kept two left-backs um, and an injured central midfielder, uh, the Abbey, um, and brought in primarily players from Serie D, players who've done well in, in Serie D. Um, the problem with players from Serie D is you can never actually predict how their form is going to play into Serie uh, to football in Serie C because Serie D is very much about you know that kind of semi-professional nature where you have some very strong teams and some um, you know absurdly weak teams. Um, so as things stand, there's not an awful lot of uh, enthusiasm um, in Taranto. Um, I would probably place them as the weakest team in the in the section at this at this point in time. Um, but again, it's it's one of these uh, projects, you know, and projects is the right word. Where obviously the director of football has this idea of how things are, go- are going to pan out, and you know you won't know until until later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know another side from pool, you have uh, Audace Cerignola, who've just come up. Um, from Serie D, and they are investing a bit more, um, a bit more, I would say, than than Taranto. Um, it looks like they're building a, a half decent squad there, and I think that's the case with most teams who've come up. Obviously, I've talked about Novara, who are building a strong side, but even the likes of San Giuliano in the the north, San Donato in the central section, Gelbison as well in, in, in the south. They're all very small teams from very small mm. um, towns. Um, but who have somehow managed to, to get the money together to, to make a few decent signings that should keep them afloat. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the kind of relegation battle, I think, will be um, quite uh, interesting in those in all three of them. There's not really kind of um, clear favourites to go down, you would say. So if you had to pick uh, one wild card across the three groups, uh, who's your, your team and why? I think, you know, wildcard in the uh, in the strictest sense of the word, um, probably Torres from Sassari. Wildcard in the sense that literally they have been lifted out of Serie D um, into Serie C. They didn't qualify, they didn't win their group. Um, they only uh, were accepted into Serie C because um, Campo Basso and Teramo were kicked out of, um, of Serie C. But they have been building over the past year. They built a very strong squad in Serie, uh, Serie D. They have a, a, an ownership which is ambitious. Um, the only thing that, that kind of hamstrings them is that they don't have a lot of time to prepare. They were only announced as officially as a Serie C team um, towards the, I think, the first week of August, perhaps. Um, so it doesn't give them a lot of time to build their squad. But I think they'll be one to watch. Um, another team who might be uh, who might be worth uh, keeping an eye on. Uh, I think you've got um, Rimini as well, who've come up from Serie D. Um, and obviously, a, a team who before played played in Serie B for a good few seasons, um, and they've kind of been quietly building a, a squad that could get them into uh, into the playoff places at least. Um, so yeah, I think you know, there, there are a few teams further down. Um, you know, Cararese, who, who look like they might be uh, coming back back into things. Um, Renate, who always build a a, a good squad. Um, I'm not sure any of them have the uh, have the ability to challenge for for that automatic playoff place, but they might have something to say come the end of the, the season in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, it's, well, it's going to be an interesting. Another interesting season down in Serie in Lega Pro. So hopefully we see that fixture list soon, and um, we can get on get on board with supporting any of the clubs that, that we mentioned, and any of the teams or uh, towns that our families are from, or whoever we we're looking forward to watching there. And speaking of that, um, how was your match day experience late last season? Uh, from memory, I think you headed over there with your son. Was that right? 
Yeah, that's right. Um, we went over to Taranto uh, over uh, for Easter weekend. For me, it's always been one of the fixtures that's kind of on my on my list. Um, we might have chatted about it last time, where you know Taranto Bari is one of the big derbies that hadn't been played in so long. You know, it's on the same level as that. You know, San Benedetto Ascoli and uh, Torres Cagliari. You know, games that haven't been played in thirty. 30 odd years, um, but that you know the people there still still feel like it is a true derby, especially in Taranto. Um, so yeah, we went over just for just a couple of days. We kind of found the found the flights last minute, um, which we were quite surprised because it was Easter weekend. We thought, you know, it might be difficult to find flights and somewhere to stay. Um, but it was um, yeah, it was really good. We arrived in the the, it would have been the Saturday morning. So unfortunately, we missed because in, in Taranto they have kind of you know parades on the Thursday, Friday. Which next year, you know, I think I would plan to to do it again. But get there a couple of days earlier just to live the whole uh, kind of Easter um, Good Friday experience in Taranto. It's one of these cities that holds on to its uh, its traditions. You know, that cherishes them. Um, so you know, might do that. Try try to do time that. Uh, well again next year um, and the game the game itself it was you know obviously the, the Taranto fans were, were up for it, it was a really good crowd, it was over 10,000 um, Barry had already wrapped up the, the title Taranto had already um, the week before kind of secured their own survival uh, in Serie C so it kind of, it was a kind of odd atmosphere where you had that kind of uh, you know, end of season kind of safe feeling. There wasn't the tension you might otherwise have, but at the same time, it was you know it was Barry, so you know everyone was up for it. Also, the Barry fans weren't allowed in the stadium. That would have changed the dynamic a little bit. That would have been great. You know, that's something that in in Serie C is happening. You know, more and more where away fans just aren't allowed in the stadium for derbies, and it. Um, you know, it just kind of, it deflates it a little bit, you know, or it doesn't, you know, the, the atmosphere is still incredible, but you can imagine what it would be with that on top. Just missing that little, um, that little uh, bit of spice. Yeah, that spice, that kind of, uh, that spark, you know, um, but it's, but yeah, a fantastic, you know, fantastic weekend. Taranto is, is you know, it was only my second time in Taranto, but it's a, a fantastic city. Um, you know, it has a reputation for being a bit, a bit rough, um, obviously, you know, problems uh, kind of with pollution and <laughs> things like that, which are um, catastrophic. But um, as a city to go and visit is is brilliant. Uh, you go into the old town, you know, the kind of narrow streets and all that. Um, and it's yeah, it's just a, a really kind of one of these places kind of off the beaten beaten path. Uh, a lot of people do go down to Puglia, you know, visit Lecce, Bari. Um, you know, and so on, which are fantastic places to go. But Taranto has 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 tended to be a little bit um, overlooked, um, which I don't think is, is fair. But I think it's uh, I think it is kind of on the up, uh, so to speak. Mm, but yeah, so yeah, it'd be good to kind of kind of get another another away day there sometime this season. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. So of course on the gentleman ultra we've all been uh, we've been running an all time eleven and a greatest eleven series for a lot of the Serie clubs. Um, we were fortunate enough for you to put together a piece for us for a all time eleven, but of the lower league cult heroes. So we all know the likes of Riva and you know Baggio and Canalia. They all they've all played in Serie C, but um, you've gone gone for your own eleven. Um, do you want to give us a, a quick rundown on the on your your greatest eleven and um, their careers and and you don't have to go into too much detail, but um, why you pick these guys and and who's um, who's someone who you, you recommend going down a YouTube rabbit hole with? Yeah, I think this was a difficult one because I can opt for this you know Serie C or a lower league Italian lower league cult hero. 11. So guys who've come through, who played most of their career either in Serie B or Serie C, um, who kind of became cult heroes in those lower divisions. Um, and it kind of goes from, uh, you know, I've kind of you know, added in the, the kind of nicknames that they've been uh, given at some time, you know, from the goalkeeper who, you know, scored his 
he scored a goal in his I think third third game for for Torres in Serie C, and the Gazeta called him the little Sardinian Chile there. Uh, you know, and and uh, the guy, this kind of guy who uh, you know, played for for Torres within their you know in the period in which they they almost reached Serie B. They're the, uh, they've never uh, never reached Serie B, um, and even you know into his forties came back to the club to solve a goalkeeping crisis, um, but also had successful stints elsewhere, such as at Piscara. Um, so some of them are these kind of, uh, you know, he's, this is uh, Torre Pina, the, the, the goalkeeper for Torre. So he's not quite a one-club man, but uh, has that kind of legendary status at a specific club. Um, I've put, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on, on them, them each um, kind of individually. The right back, uh, I put Michele Loruso. Um, who is a, a or was a, a one club man at Lecce, um, who was part of kind of their historic backlines of the 1970s together with Giuseppe Materazzi and Salvatore Di Soma, um, but never reached Serie A. Um, and he uh, he passed away in a, a car accident on the on the way to to a game on the way to catch a train uh, to a game, and that was only a couple of seasons before they uh, did reach the the promised land of of Serie A. Um, also there, Felice Centovanti, um, you know, nicknamed Crazy Horse, uh, who's often talks about as one of uh, Inter's worst, you know, Inter's worst ever signings uh, when when they uh, they signed him from from Ancona. That was one of um, Maratti's first signings. Yeah, yeah, it was his first uh, first transfer window, um, and so he was supposed to battle for the left back spot with uh, Roberto Carlos and yeah. Alessandro Pistone. Um, he lost out inevitably, um, but continued to kind of play uh, in Serie B, Serie C. Um, he's one of these kind of characters who never really, who kind of fell out of love with the, the modern game, but always, um, you know, he was in it for the, the love of just playing football. You know, he's the kind of guy who, uh, you know, probably if you if you run your phone in the dressing room, you know, snatch it out and throw it away. Um, you know, kind of one of the the kind of old guys who are kind of in it for the uh, you know, for the, the camaraderie of the dressing room. Um, then another couple of guys, you know, they, they, some of them are, as I say, you know, guys who kind of have, have made their mark in Serie A, but then dropped back down. You know, one of them, central defender, Marco De Marchi, uh, who's quite close to my heart, is a, a Dundee supporter. He, he turned out for my, my club at the, in the early 2000s, who won the UEFA Cup with Juventus and just a few weeks later dropped down to Serie C with Bologna. Yeah. Uh, who had just come from, um, in a similar vein, someone who, who made his mark in Serie A was Francesco Lodi, um, who this is kind of one of the, the figures who um, it's hard to argue that he is a purely lower league player, but in, in a way he, he is, in essence, he's that lower league player. He became a legend of Frosinone in Serie B. He gained legendary status at Catania when he dropped down mm-hmm. to Serie C, despite having been with them in, in Serie A. A player who um, probably, if it wasn't for his free kicks, um, would have been something of a passenger in Serie A. He always had a, you know immense technical quality, but it's hard to think of memorable moments from Francesco Lodi that weren't free kicks. And when he dropped down into Serie C, um, he just you know he strolled it again. Um, so yeah, that's someone another player who's who's dear to my heart. Uh, one of the first Italian players who. Uh, who I kind of um, started following uh, when I started kind of uh, getting into lower league, the lower league Italian game when he was with Frosinone. Um, your next midfielder, yeah. your Tutto Campista, our, our lovely selection. Yeah, uh, I've gone with uh, Paolo Solier, uh, who is, you know, they called him the militant trequartista. He wasn't really a trequartista, even though he wore the number nine. Um yeah, a very kind of political player, kind of guy who would uh, you would take his politics into the dressing room um, before the start of the game. He would raise his his fist. Um, you know, I think he said that uh, one particularly proud moment was visiting the the Stadio Olimpico, playing against Lazio away. You know, raising the fist and then beating Mussolini's team. Um, <laughs> I so just yeah. love the photo, the, the classic photo of him in the, you know, the iconic 
red jersey, the clenched fist, you know, he's just staring straight ahead. No, very stoic. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And it's just you know, one of these players who you know, technically didn't have an awful lot about him, but uh, just through pure um, perseverance made his way even into, into Serie A. Um, and the opposite from that is uh, Ezio Vendrame, who played in Serie A with uh, Vicenza, had all the skill in the world, but just never really applied himself, didn't even make 50 appearances, dropped into Serie B with, uh, with uh, Padova, um, and just, you know, turned into a, an entertainer there, basically. Um, you know, that's one of the anecdotes that I, I touch on was the one where he was supposed to be playing in a, a biscotto at the end of the season. It was supposed to end nil-nil. Uh, and, you know, the players were just kind of, you know, playing for, playing for time, basically. And he picked up the ball in, in midfield, dribbled it to, to the goal line, beat the keeper, and then feigned a tapping and then ran back with the ball to the, to the halfway line. So it was still <laughs> nil-nil. Um, unfortunately, with, I mean, with Ezio Vendrame, a lot of these uh, anecdotes we get from his, his own writing or from kind of, you know, from legend passed down from, from the fans. Um, there isn't an awful lot of it on, you know, on YouTube, for example, which is a shame mm. um, because that would be, that would be fantastic to watch. He was kind of another one who was active in the 1970s where, again, instead of being not everything was, was on camera. Mm. Um, and then kind of going for, uh, further forward, and it's difficult to kind of pick out two cult heroes, uh, you know, two striking cult heroes because there are so many of them in, in Serie B. So try to kind of pick one that was kind of exemplary of the Bomber di, di Provincia, um, you know, the kind of goal scorer who would go from provincial club to provincial club, became a legend in Napoli, that was Stefan Schwock, um, who, you know, again, only had a, a limited time in Serie A. Most of, most of his career was spent in Serie B. And, as well as him, I uh, also put there Erasmo Iacovone. And Erasmo Iacovone was another one from the 1970s um, who was at Taranto. He was playing alongside um, Franco Selvaggi, who, who won the World Cup in, in 82 with, with Italy. Um, you know, and he was, you know, it's five foot eight centre forward. They said that you know, apparently when he joined Taranto, he scored, I think, seven goals in, the first, in his first season, all of them headers. And then after that, he go on to score, you know, more and more. And, and there, there's one, uh, one goal against Barry, which is just absolutely sublime, where he, he kind of brings it down in the box and just sits the goalkeeper in his bum, you know, chips it over him like, you know, it's, it's just a, an absolutely beautiful thing to watch. And the, you know, in one of the tensest games that he'll ever have played. And again, this is another player who, unfortunately, at the age of I think, uh, I think 25, um, yeah. he was struck down by, by, by tragedy, um, where he was, again, killed in a, in a car crash outside of Taranto. Um, but again, football in Taranto revolves around him still. Um, you know, everything is Yakovona, you know, not just the name of the stadium, um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of that, that idea of, you know, I, I remember Yakovona, it's like you have this kind of legend, the myth passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> Uh, as well, because it was the you know it was the kind of the high tide of, of football in Taranto, uh, where they looked like they looked good enough to to win Serie B or to win promotion to Serie A, and it was taken away from them just through the death of this um, this, this star. Um, so yeah, I, I think the kind of uh, you know have a have a read of the the article or a few kind of wee um, wee bits and pieces in there, which hopefully make it make it interesting. Uh, a couple of names that people will be familiar with, a, a couple of them that might be. Uh, might be new, um, but there are a few kind of um, yeah, a, a few kind of uh, things to uh, things to look at there. You know, um, well, you do a great uh, job. It's really, it's a really interesting read, really entertaining read, and some of the some of the pictures there, like you mentioned, of the of the, the, the pre mentioned the header there against Bart, like that's yeah, some iconic moments and some iconic players. You've definitely captured. A fantastic eleven there. You've done a great job. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hopefully, it kind of uh, gives as much uh, yes, as as interesting to read as it was to write. No, it's yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic. Recommend everyone to read it. Um, you'll definitely learn a thing or two, that's for sure. So, 
Well, thanks, Andy. We better let, let you go. Um, before you go, who's your picks for Lega Pro, Sedici, Gironi, A, B, and C? Not that we're recording this or anything, and between <laughs> you and I. Yeah, I think Gironi, I think, is the, the hardest one to pick. I'd probably go for Vicenza there, just because they look like they're kind of the best uh, the team who's best uh, fitted out. Gironi uh, B, I'd be tempted to go with Virtus Entella. To win it, I think they'll be um, just a bit more. I think they'll be more consistent than, than Regina and Chisena this year. Um, and then Gironi Chi, I'd be tempted to go with Catanzaro over Crotone just because of that, that kind of managerial um, element where I'm not quite sure where, you know, where they stand with, uh, with the manager there. So I think Catanzaro might just pip Crotone to it. Um, and I won't make any relegation predictions because I fear <laughs> um, what, yeah, I don't want to bring certain teams into, into disrepute. Oh, well, that's awesome. Thanks again for your time. That's a, a great catch up and preview for the Lega Pro season ahead. And uh, just let everyone know, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, just in my, my Twitter account, Chiacchierata uh, Calcistica or C Calcistica, um, where, uh, yeah, I think... You'll, you'll see tweets which are, are interesting to, to select few perhaps, but hopefully there'll be a few kind of nuggets oh, no, which, awesome. which you'll awesome. find interesting. It's a great resource for everyone. I, I recommend following. Just type in at CC. That's what I do. And then, and then it, it tends to work for me. So that's good. Thanks again for your time, Andy. Oh, thanks again. Oh, thank you. Time. Yeah, much appreciated. That was a great season preview of Steady Chi Football with Andy Wallace. You can find him on Cacciarata Calcistica, C-C-A-L-C-I-S-T-I-C-A on Twitter. Um, thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and share it where you can. Enjoy your culture, everyone. <laughs>